Hello from Valley Baptist Church in Eureka, Montana. Valley Baptist Church is an independent Baptist church serving the greater Eureka, Montana area. Pastor Matt Schrepfer is the pastor. His wife, Juanetta, serves along his side. I'm looking forward to the hour ahead. Let's open our songbooks to number 27, O Worship the King. Joshua, lead us in O Worship the King. O Worship the King, all glorious above. And gratefully sing his wonderful love. Our shield and defender, the ancient of days. Pavilion in splendor and girded with praise. Oh, tell of his might, oh, sing of his grace, whose robe is the light, whose canopy space, his chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. Thy bountiful care, It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail in thee do we trust nor find thee to fail thy mercies how tender how firm to the end our maker defender redeemer and friend amen I'm glad that God has gathered us together.
and that we can worship him together today. Let's begin as we do that in prayer and worship him in prayer. Father God, I thank you for gathering each of us from various locations in our past, but also we're united in Christ. Those of us who believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior are forgiven of sin. We're made part of the family of God by your grace, and we've been given heaven as our home eternally. And Father, we thank you that we can enjoy worshiping you together today, and I ask that in every aspect of this service, as we sing together, and as we pray together, and open your word together, as we fellowship together around the Lord's Supper together, Father, I ask you that you would be the one who is exalted. Jesus Christ magnified that you're worshipped in every way. And Father God, I thank you that you're present with us as we do so. And I ask that it would not be just for this hour, this day, but throughout the week and the month ahead. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for coming into this world in a special way, a unique way, one that has never been in history, being born without human conception, but miraculously by a virgin. Father God, we thank you for that, and we ask you that we would never forget our Savior being born in Bethlehem, but especially remember also the purpose that you came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, and that is to pay the redemption price for each and every one of us that we might be saved. And as we observe the Lord's Supper together, I ask you, Heavenly Father, that we would remember that also and worship you in that sense. Father God, I ask too that those who aren't with us for one reason or another, we know some have been sick, we ask that you would heal physically for each and every one of them. Thank you again for your grace and your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply. Yeah. 
adore on bended knee. Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Gloria in excelsis Deo. for our scripture reading. Open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10 as Brother Tom reads verses 35 through 45. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit, one on the right hand and the the other on the left hand, in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized, with all shall ye be baptized. And to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them unto him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise worship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so it shall not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the servant of all. And even the Son of Man cannot be ministered unto, but to minister and give his life a ransom for many. Amen. Amen. While we're still standing, let's go ahead and sing Thou Didst Leave Thy Throne, number 218. Children's Church will be dismissed as we sing.
and the crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal decree. But of lowly birth thou now come to earth, and in great humility, O oh, come to my heart. seated. I don't know if you noticed, but those of us who were here in Sunday school, Sean taught very well this morning about the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ and his coming again, and we just sang about that. What a glorious truth we find in many of our carols and hymns, don't we? I think that's exciting. As we consider the Lord's Supper, there may be an area in our lives that needs to be addressed. As we study our Bibles, a verse at a time or a section at a time, we learn here a little, there a little, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today we'll be looking at a passage in James chapter 2 to prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper but also to continue the series I started in James <clears throat> that addresses showing favoritism. It does. I thought about titling it to be a rich poor man or a poor rich man. I, just, I didn't come up with such a catching title overall, Disappearing Distinctives, as you see in your bulletins, but... There it is. And Tom read a passage that is related to that for us in Mark chapter 10, where we see a classic example of those 
who desire to be respected, honored, and noticed, and exalted above others, and the Lord's view of that. It's different than the human view. I thought about aristocracy and those who are the elite in our world. That is not God-made. That's man-made. So as we look into James 2, let's ask God to guide us. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I ask you that as we study these nine verses for right now, that you would give us more understanding, that you would give us right hearts and right minds about how we treat each other. None of us deserve honor. It's you that deserves all honor and glory. And Father God, I ask you that that will be the direction for each and every one of us in showing respect. You deserve it. May it always be toward you and not any one of us in this world. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Sadly, years ago, here in Eureka, Juanetta and I were visiting with a a lady who we like that is of a different mindset. And in talking to her or with her about being a Christian, she said, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. God thinks I'm awesome. And I shivered. It probably showed. Juanetta could tell you if I did this. (laughs) I I guess I didn't do that. Well, only God is awesome. Let's keep it right, you guys. We can do that. James 2, 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken, my beloved brethren, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which ye are called? If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. But if ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. There are many in our world and throughout history who have put themselves above others And folks have given them special seats in opera houses. They've been shown dignity at the head of the table. They've been given dedicated parking spots 
even in church parking lots, but at the courthouse or wherever. Some churches even have pews with family names on them, and others have a sort of hall of fame, if you will, lined with pictures of former pastors or charter members. And by the way, I have a file of cartoons, and one of them is just that. (coughs) Distinctions, distinctions, distinctions. People seek it. People give it. Even in churches, and some have said, because I'm a charter member, I don't know, I have more say or authority or a double vote in a business meeting, whatever it may be. Others have said that the church must do what I say because I donated the land. Really, we've heard those words. Or made a large contribution of some sort. Still, others will often talk about how much they do at church more than anyone else, so they should have some special recognition for that, either that or more say. And yes, there are many who will act very impressed when a rich-looking visitor walks into the church. Hope that has... I hope it never happens here again. I'll say it that way. Hoping that never happens here again. You get what I'm saying if you read between the lines. And yet when a plain person visits, they may not even greet the individual. How sad. May we never be a church like that. What about you? What about me? Are we among those who either seek honor or distinctions or those who give it to someone who looks a certain way? Do we show partiality? Here we read of James condemning that. It was God condemning it through the pen of James, right? Sure. And what of other passages of Scripture? Jude 1.16 is one example. I'll, I'll go there. Since we're in James, it's, it's very close at hand. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, after their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because of advantage. At any rate, and, and I was a student back in the days where Dr. Bob Domikos was one of the professors. You remember him, but you didn't have him as a professor. Anyway, he said, those who can't win you with their flattery, speaking mostly to preacher boys, those who can't win you with their flattery will try to destroy you with their criticism. And you know what? There was a lot of truth in those words. Deuteronomy 16, 19 says, Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. Of course, in Proverbs we have many passages. Here's just one. 28, 21 says, To have respect of persons is not good. For for a piece of bread, that man will transgress. For a piece of bread. He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye, and considereth not the poverty that poverty shall come upon him. Many, even in our churches today, show great favor to the rich. Why? Because they want something from them. But that 
whole concept is sin, James writes. The Jewish people in James' day were fiercely competitive. I would assume Montanans can be fiercely competitive. Vying for positions and distinctions and exaltation in classes. The caste system is not of God. These, these things remind me of the British aristocracy, which in part led to the revolution of our colonies and the Declaration of Independence and the formation of our United States of America. Really, think it through. That is part of the reason. The grievances were against the King of England in his oppression of the commoners in the colonies. James had to address these things even with those who were now Christians among the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad, verse 1 of James 1. And dear Christian, we too need to heed these reminders from James as well. So reminder number one, here it is, the deity of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Sean, for teaching so clearly about the deity of Jesus Christ. What does the deity of Jesus Christ have to do with it? Look at verse 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. What's James saying there? The phrase, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, is an objective genitive, which it's specific. It means faith in specifically our Lord Jesus Christ, not faith in Christendom or faith in things in general, but specifically in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why James calls them brethren, because they had faith specifically in Jesus Christ. The words hold not are a present active imperative. It means don't continue or stop holding. In other words, it's not something that might happen. It was happening. You need to stop it right now, is what James was telling them. <clears throat> and the words, with respect of person, is from a Hebrew idiom. To lift up the face of a person. I can't do that as... I, I don't like doing that, even, even in an illustration. You and I have seen people do just that, haven't we? They lift up their chin or raise their noses and look oh so smug to get the attention of others. James wrote this saying, My brethren, you cannot continue to show partiality to anyone and have a testimony of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of glory. You can't do it and have a testimony for the Lord of glory. It's one or the other. We need to be reminded of the deity of Jesus Christ. After all, he is the Lord of glory. He is the awesome one. He is the one that needs to be exalted, not any of us. John 1.14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And because God does not show partiality, neither should we. There are several verses. I'll read a couple. Romans 2.11 For there is no respect of persons with God. That's straightforward enough, isn't it? <clears throat> Brother Brandon, if you need to take a walk, take a walk, okay? I saw the wince on your face. You're hurting a little, aren't you? Don't you worry about standing up or walking. It won't distract us, okay? 
Uh, Ephesians 6 is another passage. Colossians 3.24, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. So in the eyes of God, all are sinners. All of us are. In the eyes of God, we all need salvation alike. All of us do. In the eyes of God, all who are saved are the children of God. Praise him for that. And are possessors of eternal life. All of us alike. In the eyes of God, all who are lost are equally lost. But can be saved if they truly believe in Christ. Whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course. The Bible tells us that God does not respect rich over poor, man over woman, royalty over slaves, old over young, Jew over Gentile, Republicans over Democrats, one denomination over another, big over small, clergy over laity, healthy over sick, and wise over unwise, and so on. It doesn't happen with God. That's not how it works with him. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. If you're saved. So the first bullet under that first point is Jesus is God and Jesus himself was despised of men. You see, distinctions Respect of persons and favoritism are a man-made thing. Jesus was despised because he was poor and born in an animal shelter. I had to think about saying those words. A stable and laid in a manger. Jesus was despised because he grew up in Nazareth. (laughs) a despised city. He was called Jesus of Nazareth in the New Testament. And Nathaniel stated it this way, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus was despised because he did not have a fancy home in this world. He had nowhere to lay his head, according to Luke 9, verse 58. He was despised because his followers were fishermen. Or, of all things, tax collectors and publicans and sinners. Matthew 9.11 He was despised because he was not seen as royalty. Yes, Jesus was despised of men as Isaiah foretold in Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report and to whom of the arm is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. There it is, even in the Old Testament. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Do we make the same mistakes as those in the days of James? 
I'm afraid we do. Do we despise or show favoritism, making distinctions based upon what we see with our eyes, their outward appearance, how they dress, the color of their skin, the cars they drive, or where they come from, even California? (laughs) I had to do that because sometimes we act that way, don't we? That's not right. And... And we can laugh about it because we know that's not really our heart, is it? It isn't. The deity of Christ should remind us also of the fact that, bullet number two, Jesus did not make distinctions. He didn't. Even his enemies admitted that Jesus was not one who showed favoritism or was a respecter of persons. In Matthew 22, verse 15, then when the Pharisees... took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk and they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man for thou regardest not the person of men. Even his enemies recognized that of him. Jesus was not impressed with riches. After all, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the taters underneath, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Jesus was not impressed with outward appearance or pomp. He is the Lord of glory, James 2, verse 1. Unlike us, who are prone to judge people by their past, like maybe Ananias did in Acts chapter 9 about Saul of Tarsus, Jesus sees the potential in the lives of sinners. This is that account in Acts chapter 9. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, to Ananias, that is. For he, that's Saul of Tarsus, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul... The Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest. He he hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why was he hesitant? Because Saul's past affected the way Ananias thought about Saul in the present. It took him a while, but the work of God changed his heart and mind towards Saul. In Simon Peter... Jesus saw a rock. In Matthew or Levi, a publican, he saw a faithful disciple who would one day write one of the Gospels in our Bibles. In the Samaritan woman at the well, who was an adulteress, he saw the potential to be his instrument for the salvation of many souls in that city, Sychar. Yes, Jesus, as the all-knowing God of the Bible, God in the flesh could see the potential and did not dwell on the sinner's past once they were saved. How about us? Do we judge? Are we partial because of someone's past? We have to be wise, yes, but not partial in this sense. Do we tend to judge a person's past and not their potential? Let's read verses 1 through 4 again. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. 
For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in your ju- in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Now, verse that's clear enough, but verse 5 says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? James also reminds the reader of the grace of God here. God has even chosen the poor of this world. God is gracious. I'm glad for the grace of God, are you? I don't deserve it. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, many of us know that. Let's say it together. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm glad for the gift of God's grace. Here in verse 5, James emphasizes God's choosing, not based on wealth, not based on any human merit. Now that's grace. We cannot earn salvation, neither do we deserve it. It is because of God's grace that he saves. The first bullet under that second item, the grace of God, God ignores national differences. As we've already seen in this age of grace, there are no national distinctions with God. In Acts 10 and 11, the Jewish believers were shocked that Peter went to the house of Cornelius, a non-Jew, and preached the gospel of grace to the Gentiles, and then he ate with them. How dare he do that? They were shocked. But God has no distinctions nationally. When several of the apostles and James met together in Acts chapter 15, it was to discuss the question, must a person become a Jew to become a Christian? That's my words. That's my way of saying it. Must they keep Jewish rights to become a Christian? And the answer was clearly no. No. So a non-Jew could be saved without doing anything Jewish, just by faith in Christ alone for their salvation. In God's sight, there's no difference. Bullet number two, God also ignores social differences. Masters and slave, rich and poor alike. I found Hannah's prayer interesting along these lines. Do you remember Hannah out of the book of Samuel? Samuel's mother. She prayed. And she, it's an interesting prayer to reread. In First Samuel chapter 2, verse 7, The Lord maketh poor, she said, and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and he hath set the world upon them. He will keep the feet of his saints and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For my strength shall no man prevail or for by strength shall no man prevail. What a neat prayer. Interesting. It is possible to be poor in this world and rich in the next. 
or rich in this world and poor in the next. James 2.6 says, But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. In conclusion, verse 7 is clear enough. If we show distinctions and favoritism, we blaspheme or defame or slander or revile Christ. You see that there in verse 7? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you're called? Now that is a serious matter. Verses 8 and 9 also emphasize this truth. So if favoritism and distinctions, the desire for respect and the giving of respect toward certain people is an issue in your life or my life, God would have us confess it and turn from it today. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Also, may God the Holy Spirit use this passage in our lives in other ways too. What about when we have a visitor here at Valley Baptist Church? We don't want to treat any one better than any other. We want to treat them all with love and take them in, don't we? Certainly. Are we truly a friendly church or do we like to stick with those who may, we may be comfortable with and ignore some others? Well, let's just keep that in mind. The inspired word of God through the pen of James gives us clear instruction about these things, doesn't it? I don't see it much clearer. I've spoke maybe too long about it. God is very clear about these things. James has addressed it back then and God is still addressing it among his people today. So, well, I'd like to ask everyone to stand in closing and we'll sing Blessed Redeemer number 294. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, <clears throat> facing for sinners, death on the cross, that he might save them from endless loss. Blessed Redeemer, Precious Redeemer, seems how <clears throat> him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Father, forgive them. Thus did he pray, even while his life blood flowed fast away, praying for sinners in the pool. Oh, one but Jesus ever loved so. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer. Seems how I see him 
on Calvary's tree. Wounded and bleeding, for sinners pleading, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Oh, how I love him, Savior and friend, even while his life blood. Numbered on heaven's shore, my tongue shall praise him forevermore. Blessed Redeemer, precious Redeemer, seems how I see him on Calvary's tree, wounded and bleeding. For sinners bleeding, blind and unheeding, dying for me. Amen to that. Have a great afternoon, everyone. Hope to see you this evening. Valley Baptist Church has multiple services. Sunday school is at 9.45 a.m. The morning service is at 11 a.m. The evening service starts at 6 p.m. There's also a Wednesday night Bible study at 6 p.m. Additional men and women Bible studies are also conducted on a regular basis. Other activities include monthly potluck meals, monthly men's breakfasts, and much more. Valley Baptist Church is located at 64627 Highway 37, and that's in Eureka, Montana. Our phone number is 406-889-3134. Thank you for joining us for this audio sermon.